0: Hi, everyone. This is Eric Hansen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's sermon. One thing I wanted you to know is that this sermon is really image-based and might be better for you to also have the handout of the images that I talk about. If you'd like to do that, you can find them online at fpcboulder.org. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for bringing us all here together this morning to hear from your word and to sing your praises together. We pray, Lord, that you would now break open our hearts, that we would hear truly and deeply from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. if you are our Lord, rock, and redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. So as uh, we just heard, Advent is a season of waiting, and uh, I guess before I explore that too much more deeply, I guess I should pause and just say, hi, my name's Eric, Um, I'm one of the pastors here, most of you as I look around might know that. Um, I've been gone for a couple weeks, and um, I'm really hoping that this is just like riding a bike and will feel immediately familiar to all of us. So Advent is this season, the very beginning of uh, the ad- our Christian calendar as a year, as Jane so well and ably walked us through uh, last Sunday. It's this time where we, we remember and we recall the narrative when the, the world was groaning under the weight of a need for the Savior to come. And now, ever since the Christ child was born, lived, was crucified died and rose again, now now we stand in this in-between time where Advent is the time where we simultaneously celebrate the fact that the Christ child has come, but there's also a second Advent where we celebrate the reality that the Christ child will come again as a full-grown man, glorious in his splendor. And this year, what we're doing is simply sort of walking our way through and around the Advent calendar. What we're hoping to say simply is this, that Jesus is hope, peace, joy, and love. Jesus is those things incarnate, in the flesh. It's not just what we're saying is God's going to sort of like carry in this wagon behind him these things, peace and love and joy. No, actually, they, he is those things. Jesus is hope. Today, we'll be talking about how Jesus is peace, is joy, is love. Those things sound pretty good, don't they? Hope, peace, joy, and love. They sound like the kind of thing maybe you'd find on a card that comes in the mail. But do we really need them? Do we really need a spirituality for those things? Do we really need God to intervene into humanity? Can't we just sort of like figure it out? It seems like we're trying pretty hard. And here's, friends, where I want to say something to you The Boulder Bubble is real. Now, that means the whole county, friends. If you come from somewhere else and you've come into church this morning, I'm glad you're here. But the bubble's just as big and thick where you live, I guarantee it. And it shields us, actually, from, from seeing a lot of reality. Our problems are, are actually, they feel maybe real to us, but also maybe kind, of, maybe kind of tame. Sure, of course. Sometimes things, you know, they kind of get out of hand at home. We're at the workplace. Sometimes we have to deal with someone who's sort of yelling out with some sort of mental illness on Pearl. We have problems. But basically we feel like we can kind of manage them. We'll call the expert. We'll meet with the person. We'll, we'll take the four steps. We'll, we'll read the article. Really, it seems like, for the most part, we can manage this on our own. What we're going to talk about today, friends, is the reality that actually what goes on in the boulder bubble is not all that different than what goes on outside of it, that actually what we're doing is we're masking the human problem. It's veiled behind all sorts of safety and security, but it's real. And we can hide here how deep that problem goes. But friends, I know, because I know, we have habits that are vile. We have a way of thinking about things that is an affront to God. There are things that we think about our spouse that we should never think about another human being. There are ways that we act underhanded as a, as a way of self-protection that when we really get down to it, we realize the problem has crept not just into the boulder bubble, but into my heart and into yours. Wow, do we work hard to disguise it and ignore it, setting aside the reality that that humanity, myself included, needs real deep spiritual intervention, something to come from outside myself if it's really going to get fixed. The problem is deep and central and core to us. But that's not what I thought I was going to say to you today. What I thought I was going to say today is I was going to show you some I was going to show you some really wonderful beautiful pictures of peace, human peace. And how God's responsible for that. And God is. But I realized that I needed more to be confronted with the need for peace to come in the flesh. I realized I needed to see and be reminded and challenged with the reality actually that the bubble needs to pop. and that I need God to intervene. And so do we. And this came to me as I was on this little image search, and I came on this website, widerimage.reuters.com. And the rest of, a good chunk of the rest of this sermon is just simply going to be, as Joe mentioned, sort of walking through a a bunch of images that you find on Reuters. We're going to sort of just watch them and sort of um, I'll read a little, give you a little bit of context. And every two or three slides, we're going to read some Scripture as a prayer. I'll read it aloud. You can follow along in heart and mind. See, we actually do need a peace to come in the flesh. So what I want you to do is sort of just follow along. It's going to feel like it's a long time. Because sometimes it takes that long to dig all the way to where the treasure is. Okay? Let's go. First picture. A man carries his daughter away from an Islamic State-controlled neighborhood during a battle in Mosul. An uninvolved pedestrian, a passerby, gets doused in pepper spray at a protest in Brussels. A young woman lies down in front of her brother's grave. He served with the U.S. Army in both Iraq and Afghanistan before I'm being killed in service. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. A man walks with a bloody lip as demonstrators yell at him outside a white nationalist speech on the campus of the University of Florida. Man is doused with milk after being hit by an eye irritant from security forces in Ferguson, Missouri. Police hit a student protester during violence in Letpadon, Myanmar. From Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh Palestinians scuffle with an Israeli soldier as they try to prevent him from detaining their brother in the West Bank. U.S. Army soldiers fire a howitzer cannon at a forward fire base in Kandahar province in Afghanistan. I will listen to what the Lord God says. He promises peace to His people, His faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely His salvation is near those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. A man holds the body of a dead child among bodies of people killed by nerve gas in the Duma neighborhood of Damascus, Syria. Palestinian demonstrators shout during clashes with Israeli troops, as they demand the right to return to their homeland. Fatima Ibrahim Hadi, age 12, who is malnourished and weighs just 22 pounds, sits on a bed at a clinic in Aslam, Yemen. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Two parents grieve near Sandy Hook Elementary in Connecticut. After learning their seven year old daughter was one of twenty schoolchildren and six adults killed by a gunman. Leaves cover the face of 11-month-old Rohingya refugee, Abdul Aziz. He died from treatable but untreated fever and coughing. this prayer from the beginning of Luke. Give light to those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Residents react as policemen take position during an operation in the Marais slums complex in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Displaced people from the minority Yazidi sect flee violence from forces loyal to the Islamic State. a man grasps a bag of tangerines as people receive free produce handed out by farmers in Athens, Greece. You, Lord, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord Himself, is the rock eternal. Lone activist Aisha Evans stands her ground while offering her hands for a rest. As she is charged by riot police in Baton Rouge. <coughs> Pro European integration protesters take cover from water cannon at the site of clashes with riot police in Kiev, Ukraine. And now this passage, which often is part of Holy Week. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He, the king, will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Turkey-backed Syrian rebel fighters assist their injured fellow fighter near the border town of Tal Abyad in Syria. Anti-government protesters protect themselves with umbrellas among tear gas during a demonstration in Hong Kong, China. 14 Christians were martyred last Sunday on the first Sunday of Advent as they left their church in Hantukora, Burkina Faso. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven And a new earth, new earth where righteousness dwells. Friends, does the world need a savior? We've been trying for 2,000-plus years. But there are parts of the human story we can't fix. There are parts of the human story that whatever fix we offer actually eventually becomes worse than the, the solution, becomes worse than the problem. We can make technological advancements, but we aren't any wiser. We can make stacks of laws, but they don't fix our heart of stone. We crave peace, but it only comes for short periods of time and tiny doses. We, We mask and we hide human sin. But the problem that's out there is also in here. But God cannot be mocked. He sees the problem. He knows it better than we do. And what is God going to do How is this going to get fixed? Sometimes we can be accused of sort of just playing at religion because it helps us feel good by patting ourselves on the back. But it must be more important than that. God has come in the flesh. Because we need God to come in the flesh. Without using this language quite exactly, the scriptures say that, well, everything's broken. And that it's never going to self repair. The system and everything in it leans and tends towards destruction, no matter how hard we try to hide it. Something must come from outside the system to address our deepest problems. St. Anselm, who was a bishop of Canterbury, actually, uh, in the 11th century, he wrote this amazing book, uh, Curdeus Homo Why Did God Become a Man? Why Did God Become a Man? And, and I'm just going to give you the two line summary, and you can say you've read it. Check, the, check that off the list. This is basically what he says there's such a deep deficit that we have contributed to creation. And we bear the only responsibility to pay for that deficit. Human beings, us, you, me, there's a, a massive deficit, an incredible quintuple trillion dollar deficit to pay back for God's shattered Shalom. You break it, you buy it. But the problem is, friends, the price is too heavy. We'll never pay it back. We are the ones who should pay it back. But only God has the ability to pay it back. So what will God do with this massive spiritual problem? How will he bring peace in a shalom-shattered world? He will combine the one who should pay it back in humanity with the one who can pay it back in divinity, and the Messiah is born. God comes in the flesh. And he comes for you and he comes for me because we can easily tell ourselves that those images are the real sin and we don't have it, but we do. As I said at the beginning, our habits of sin, how we spend our time, how we think of the people around us, they shatter shalom. And God comes peace incarnate in the flesh the one who should pay and the one who can't pay come together that's what we celebrate at advent this is not just a moment for us to like put up some green bows and some lights God has come in the flesh. He is hope incarnate, peace incarnate, joy incarnate, love incarnate. When I was uh, in seminary, one of my favorite books on the incarnation was this little book here um, called On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius And it's really, it truly is quite short. I totally recommend it. It's going to take a while to get to the rhythm of it. Um, But it's really excellent. It's about 95 pages. It's about 110 pages if you get the edition with the really excellent C.S. Lewis introduction. It's totally worth it. And as I was trying to figure out how, what can I say, how do I think about my way through this Advent series that sort of offers us both a real sobering look at the problem And the real hope that we have in the Messiah who has come and will come again, well, these couple passages were things that left to me. You might be wondering why we are discussing the origin of humankind when we set out to talk about the words becoming a man. And it's relevant for this reason. It was our sorry state that caused the words to come down. It was our transgression that called out his love for us so that he made haste to help us and to appear among us. That's what God does, friends. God makes haste in love. When people ask, What is God going to do with human sin? we already know the answer comes in the flesh out of love and sacrifice. We continue. You know, in the third century, how it is when some great king enters a large city and dwells in just one of its houses. Because of the king's dwelling in that single house, the whole city is honored. And enemies and robbers cease to molest the city. And so it is with the king of all. He has come in a body. Made home in a body. In the midst of all these bodies. And in consequence, the designs of the enemy against mankind have been foiled. And the corruption of death, which formerly held us in its power, has simply ceased to be. Advent signals the time when God incarnate has moved in. This is the good news. Jesus is peace incarnate. Bringing together that which was shattered. The king has come and will come. And here's the good news, friends: The God who has unflinchingly seen, all unflinchingly seen, all those things that we just looked at. The God who sees all that and knows it better than we do, he's big enough to handle all that, which guess what? means he's big enough to handle whatever you carry in your heart. This gospel is not just for people out there. It's for people inside the bubble. You and me. When he comes back, when this second advent occurs, whenever it occurs, who will the Messiah be? What will he bring with him? Hope, peace, joy, and love. Work your way around the wreath. Friends, every single one of us in this room has brought something that's fragmented, fractured, broken, even shattered. Can you stop trying to fix it yourself? What if you bring it to the Messiah? the one who came in the flesh to give us life. So as we uh, wrap up here and as the band comes together, for 10 seconds, I want you to sort of imagine a thing that's at the heart of your heartache, something that feels deeply wounded and broken, something with a family member or a friend or a workplace or something you just have never confessed. And for the next 15 seconds, I'm just going to ask you in silence to show it to the Messiah. What will he do? Lovingly forgive you. Redeem you. Include you. See if you don't hear the whisper. Go ahead, next 15 seconds. Just think about what that is. And just imagine sort of holding it up to God. Worship together, we worship peace incarnate. Let's sing.